Hindsight, 2020. Hindsight is the act of looking back. You know, as the team was singing there, remember who you're talking to. And as I heard those words, the Lord whispered in my ear, remember, Jeff, who you're talking about. You're talking about the one who has the power to raise people from the dead. You're talking about the one whose name is Jesus, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. To God be the glory, amen? As we talk about this sermon series, Hindsight, Dr. Bill Jones a couple weeks ago said that when we make a bad decision, decision in the past, it should inform how we make decisions in the present. That we should be able to look back with hindsight and go, that wasn't such a great decision. I need to make a better decision in the future or today. Now, looking back from seminary, one of the things that uh, I realized early on in seminary, that seminary did not prepare me to hire staff or to even manage staff and to see where God has brought this church today with all of our staff. We, we have somebody that now does that. It, seminary taught me to know what you can't do and make sure you find somebody that can do it well. But early on in ministry, I thought I could do that. So it came a time uh, at early church whenever um, I, I, it was time to hire a youth pastor, right? And so I went and interviewed a few youth pastors and uh, thought I found my guy. You know, he was a student at Coastal Carolina, really sharp, bright, a lot of energy, had a good interview, and uh, we, we hired him and got off to a great start. About two weeks in, a couple of parents came to me and says, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, this, this youth guy you hired, I don't think he's going to work out. I said, well, he's a young guy just getting started. Got to give him a little bit of time. I don't know. And a week later, they call me or they come see me this time. You know, and They say, hey, this guy is not good, and, and he's not good for our youth. I said, well, how do you know? He said, just, just call his voicemail. Okay, so I, student at Coastal, I call the voicemail, call his phone, voicemail picks up, and it says this. It's etched in my memory forever. <laughs> Rub, dub, dub, three women in a tub. If you think I'm getting out to answer the phone, you're crazy. Click, and I hung up, and I said, bad choice, bad choice. <laughs> um, it was my first hire, my first fire, you know? And uh, so, you know, I had to learn from that. You know, you need to be careful who you hire. Those background checks are really important. So fast forward a little bit. Uh, we had a wonderful young youth minister here at Mount Horeb. And he was going to take our youth onto a, uh, a, a, an overnight hiking, camping experience on spring break in the mountains. They left on a Thursday. Our son was on the trip. He had had surgery on his hand, so he was in a cast. We trusted our son with the youth pastor because he's a good guy. I'd learned a little bit about hiring. And so they go, and after they leave and get toward the mountains, and this is before we had cell phones. We had bag phones. We didn't have cell phones. And uh, we find out that there's going to be a polar ex express storm move through the mountains, and temperatures are going to drop into the 20s. And we go, this is not good. You know, we got to get word to them that they got to, you know, get out of the, the, the mountains because they could freeze to death overnight. Well, we call the ranger station where they were supposed to be. And the ranger said, well, they checked in, but their car is gone. The van's gone. 
Okay, well, maybe they're smart enough. Hey, good, good hire here. He's taking our students to a motel. They'll be okay. Well, we didn't hear from him. And uh, next day, I was out somewhere, and I get a phone call from WIS. It's never good to get a phone call from WIS. <laughs> and they said, we, we understand there's a youth group uh, missing on the Chattooga River, uh, and, and we wonder if it's yours. And I don't know, because <laughs> I don't know where my youth group is. And my son's in a cast, and Chattooga was not on the itinerary for them to go. So we were nervous, we were anxious, we were praying. And thank goodness the, the group that was lost on the Chattooga was found. It wasn't our kids. I get a phone call, and, and, and the van has arrived at the church. They have made it back safely. Thank you, Lord. It's good. So we go pick up our son, Aaron. We go, Aaron, hey, where, where were you guys at? Uh, Dad, we, we can't say. Wasn't the answer I was looking for. And uh, <laughs> he said, we made a promise not to tell. I said, hey, <laughs> where, where were you all at? Well, Dad, you know, it got really cold, and, and so uh, we made a decision as a group, and we don't want people to think we're wimps, and we spent last night in Lexington at Daniel's house. <laughs> I, said, I said, I lost a year off of my life, gone, you know? Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. so Daniel went on to become a great youth minister here, but everywhere he went, we gave him a GPS tracking device so we would know <laughs> where he was at, and our kids were okay. Dr. Jones talked about how important it is to apply biblical wisdom on our mistakes. To so look back and go, you know, we made a bad choice here, but, but we learned something. God taught us something. And if we ignore biblical wisdom in our mistakes, they can become a pattern that can lead to a lifestyle of poor decisions and regret. I love in, in Peter's second letter, chapter one, he writes these words, therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you've been taught, it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as you live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. Now as I read those words from Peter, he's reminding me that as a pastor and as our teaching pastors here at Mount Horeb, we've got to keep reminding you about these things, that God has spoken a truth, that God has revealed himself in the past, that God has shown what he can do, and just keep on reminding you. Because sometimes, you know, after you preach 40 years of sermons, you think, done that one, done that one, done that one. And as I read those words, it says, doesn't matter. Just keep on reminding people of the truth. I love what First Chronicles says, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. Remember the wonders that God has done. Miracles and judgments. We've got to learn from both of those. Hindsight. The miracles, the amazing things that, that just blew us away, that we couldn't explain, that God did something incredible, but also the judgments, the discipline where we went went the other way and God pulled us back in and used some discipline to correct us so that we wouldn't make the same mistake again and again. I believe that Peter was referring to two things. He was saying, don't forget the truth you've learned about Jesus. He is the son of God. He, was, he walked upon this earth. He was, he was crucified, but don't forget that he was resurrected don't forget that God has the power to raise the dead. 
But also I believe Peter was reminding them about all that God had done in the Old Testament. Being a, a, a Jewish uh, person of passion about the things of God, Peter had heard all of these stories from Jesus. And one of the most familiar stories that, that the Bible tells us we should not forget, that we can learn incredible hindsight about, is when God delivered the children of Israel from slavery in the land of Egypt. And for those of you who don't know this, that, that's where the name Mount Horeb comes from, is that it was at Mount Horeb at the burning bush, the bush that was burning, that was not consumed, that God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, go and set my people free. And I'm telling you that I'm excited that the bush at Horeb is still burning because God is still calling us to go and set his people free and share the message of God's salvation. So delivery from, from slavery to, they come to the Red Sea, and last week I preached on that in the sanctuary, how God parted the Red Sea. Once they got across the Red Sea, that God guided them day and night, cloud by day, fire by night. God provided for them food and water. Hindsight, God has been there for two years, bringing them out of captivity and into a new plan, a new purpose. So two years of constant grumbling though, constant complaining because what misery loves company, right? Forgetting, incredibly forgetting God's faithfulness, two million people strong, including in that two million, 600,000 army, men in the army, they arrive at the Jordan River. They can now see the promised land that God has promised them. God's provided, God's protected. Momentum is on their side. And Moses, like a brilliant leader, sends out 12 spies. Go out and reconnaissance the land. Go, go check it out. See how safe it is. See what we got to do to, to move into this promised land. And what results is the infamous majority and minority report. You thought it just happened in Washington. It happened in Exodus. It happened in the Numbers. We, we read the account here in Numbers 13. If you would, would you stand as we read God's word? Numbers 13, verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and indeed, it indeed is a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but, the infamous but, right? But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, the Amicalites lived in Neviga. The Hittites, the Jejubites, the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live among the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. 
The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. And that's what they thought too. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. What we have here, I believe, is momentum that is lost by unholy and unhealthy hindsight. An unholy and unhealthy hindsight that looks back and forgets the presence of God, forgets the power of God, forgets the salvation of God, and it leads to misery. And misery loves company. Ten people, ten people spread a bad report among two million people. A whole bunch of people, momentum, life, history, was forever affected by ten people. The momentum of the miserable majority. And it's my prayer that today you will not be not find yourself among the miserable majority. Now, how does that develop? How does something like this take place? Well, anytime that we have a big challenge, there's a big challenge, right? That, that possessing the promised land would not be easy. There were fortified cities. There were even some tall people there. They would need to be defeated. They would have to drive their enemies out. It wouldn't be easy. It wouldn't be easy, but God would make a way. This God who had made a way previously, hindsight, would make a way in the future. There's a challenge, there's always a challenge that leads to grumbling, doubt, fear. And there's conflict. Naturally, there's going to be some disagreement. Two, two million people, consensus is going to be a challenge among two million people. And let me just say this, God's people are never going to agree on everything. Got to get a second to that. It's just not going to happen. But I believe that there are essentials that we need to agree on. And there are non-essentials that we probably can agree to disagree. But there are essentials. And, and the essentials here that they left out was that God was faithful. And that God's truth is essential. And that holy hindsight is essential. Don't forget what God has done. Don't forget what God can do. So there's a challenge, there's a conflict, and there's always a choice. God always gives his people a choice, and they chose to believe a few, and they chose not to go, and they chose to ignore their holy hindsight. They chose to forget what God had done in the past. My friends, that can lead to being miserable when you begin to doubt what God has done. So there's a challenge, there's a conflict, there's a choice, and there's always a consequence. Now, if you read the whole story, when God saw their negative attitudes, he, he literally threw up his hands and said, I'm gonna destroy the miserable majority. I'm gonna just destroy them, I'm, I'm done. 
I'm finished. And, and, and move on with Moses and a faithful minority. But Moses, being the great leader he is, intercedes in prayer and asks God to not destroy them. And our God loves to do something even more righteous. He could have just said, I'm done. You people, you know, you've been grumbling and complaining for two years. And now you're not even go, you're not going to go. You're not going to do. You're not going to, you're not going to follow my will, my way. But God does something more righteous. He, he forgives, he, he doesn't wipe them out, but there's still a consequence. They get to wander for the next 40 years with the rest of the miserable people for a generation, till a generation dies. I want to remind you today that if we insist on our own way, if we insist on our own dreams and don't follow God's plans, he will allow us to wander off. He will not prevent you from going into the wilderness. He's given you a clear choice. He's given you holy hindsight. He's revealed his plan. He's provided a holy, his Holy Spirit to be there among you. But you got a choice. Numbers 14 says, Then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you've requested. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. One of my great concerns that we have in our culture, in our country, among the folks in the U.S. here, is we continue to refuse to listen to the voice of God. We think it's irrelevant we don't want to listen to the voice of God. God will allow us to wander into the wilderness. Someone said it took a, a, a few hours to get the people out of Egypt. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of the people. Miserable momentum. You know, God believed in them, but they didn't believe in God. God believes in you today. Do you believe in God? God had faith in them, but they didn't have faith in God. God has faith in you today. Do you have faith in God? You know, the miserable majority placed their faith in their feelings instead of God's faithfulness. The fear of what God might not be able to do. Have you had that fear before? I'm not sure God's up to it. I'm not sure, sure God can handle this situation. Let me take care of it myself. Let me just say to you that fear is a feeling and there's nothing wrong with feelings unless we let feelings run our life. And if feelings run our life, we are in trouble because our feelings change day to day, hour to hour. We just are that way. We need to base our decisions and our momentum on faith, on, on truth, on, 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 on what is solid. I love what C.S. Lewis said, now, faith is the art of holding on to things your reason has accepted in spite of your changing moods. Let me read that again. Faith is the art of holding on to things your reason has accepted in spite of your changing moods. Our feelings about things are going to change, but don't let that change your faith. Your faith should always dictate how to define your feelings. Don't let fear derail your faith. 
Don't let a few miserable friends become the miserable majority. You know, those miserable friends that say, but everybody's doing it. You know, we don't want to be the only ones that aren't doing it. And, and somehow we think everybody's doing it when in reality, that's not true. There may be a few, there may be some, but it ain't everybody. Don't let a few sway you to be a part of a miserable majority based on fear. So let me talk for a moment about the momentum of the mighty minority. Numbers 14. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude. I love that. He's got a different attitude than the others. He has remained loyal to me, so I'll bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Now turn around. This is the judgment to the rest of the people. Now the rest of you turn around and don't go on toward the land where the Amicalites and the Canaanites live. Tomorrow you must set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. It means you've got to go back where you've just come from. You've got to go back, and it's going to take place for 40 years. Well, to be a part of the mighty minority, it's going to require a different spirit. It's going to require a different attitude. In the face of the pressure of the crowd, in the face of the pressure of the culture, we must remain loyal to God. We must not cave. We must remain loyal. We believe that God is the way maker. Can I get a second of that? God is the way maker. Only two of the 12 spies got it right by using holy hindsight, by believing in God's faithfulness, experiencing God's blessing, God's promises requires a different spirit. And maybe today you're here because God wants to give you a different spirit. Not a spirit of pessimism, not a spirit of fear, not a spirit of doubt, but a spirit of faith. And let me tell you, that, that comes from the Holy Spirit. And, and it comes from the Word of God. Romans says, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We, we want to put the Word of God aside, but that's the source of faith. We read about God's faithfulness. We read about God's deeds, God's activities, the source of faith. Don't let disappointment lead to discouragement. Now, what I mean by that is that Caleb and Joshua, they believed in God. They trusted God. They were ready to go. Let's go now. We can do it now. But they too had to spend the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness. But they never got discouraged because they knew the one who they were following. And they claimed the promise that he had made to them. Now, let me say a word now about the momentum of holy hindsight. Real quickly, Momentum of holy hindsight. God knew the path. God knew the path. God knew my path. I look back over my life and I can see where God was there in Flatwoods, Kentucky. He was there in Raceland, McHale, Russell, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida, Myrtle Beach, Missouri, Conway, Lexington, Liberia, Haiti, you name it, God was there. God was on the path. And he says, follow me, follow me. And I believe that Mount Horp is on a path that God knows the path. And one of the reasons I know that to be true is that every Friday morning I meet with about 70 to 80 men and we pray for the path. And these men have been faithful praying for the path for 24 years, 52 Friday mornings a year, praying for God to guide, God to prayer walking the property, prayer walking the buildings, prayer walking 
the direction, the path that God would have us be on. I'm confident that God knows the path and God knows your path. And don't let bumps become barriers. Don't let roadblocks keep you from discovering God's purpose. Don't let a molehill become a mountain. There are going to be obstacles. There are going to be challenges. God knows the path. God is sovereign over giants. God is sovereign over giants. I believe that our God is, can change the minds of leaders. Do you believe that? God changed the mind of Pharaoh. God can change the mind of kings. God can change the mind of government officials. God can change the minds of tyrants. God can change the mind of bosses. God can change the mind of bishops. God can change the minds of denominations because God will have the last word. God will always have the last word. Whenever Lynn and I were serving in Missouri after getting out of seminary, Lynn wanted to come back to Conway or she wanted to come to South Carolina. That would have been enough for her. South Carolina would have been enough. So I went to the district superintendent of the Marion District at the Methodist Church right outside of Conway and met with him and asked if there was an opportunity for us to come to South Carolina to be a Methodist pastor. And after the interview, he said to me, you know, Jeff, you're not from here, are you? I said, no, you're not from these parts, I think is what he said. He said, you didn't go to one of our seminaries either, did you? You didn't go to Duke or Candler. You went to that Asbury Seminary place. He says, you know, I think that the best thing for you to do is to pack up your bags and go back to Kentucky or go back to Missouri. There's not a place for you in South Carolina. I was surprised to hear that, disappointed, but not nearly as disappointed as my wife and not nearly as disappointed as my mother-in-law. And they began to pray that God would change somebody's mind. Well, God did something that district attendant was moved and a new district superintendent came in. His name was Reverend Clyde Calhoun, the first African-American district superintendent in the South Carolina Annual Conference. And I went to talk to Clyde and we prayed together. He said, I got a place for you in Conway. How would your, life like, how would your wife like to go home? God changed somebody's mind. Say amen to that. And we ended up in Conway for 10 years and my wife loved it and God did great things. God knows your path. God is sovereign and God fights for his people. Say amen to that. God fights for his people. God requires obedience from his people to his will, to his way. And don't let a mistake cause you to miss out on God's mission for you, your God-given mission. And sometimes obedience only makes sense after you obey. Sometimes you just gotta step out and trust. You know, going back to that Red Sea, they just had to step into the water. When it came time to cross the Red Sea 40 years later, they just had to step into the water. Sometimes you just gotta step out and obey. It doesn't make any sense, but when you step out and follow God, it'll make sense. Now, let me say a word about Kairos moments. Kronos and Kairos. Kronos is those minutes, hours, the days that we live, the sands of the hourglass. Kairos is something different. Kronos is, is hours and minutes. Kairos is moments of opportunity, a window of opportunity. And I believe that there are people all across this auditorium that you're in the midst of a chaos moment. That God has a window of opportunity for you and you're wondering, what should I do? My life has forever been changed by chaos moments. You know, just yesterday I had a chaos moment. We have a situation where a family has had a very tragic situation in their life. Uh, the death of a mother that came through uh, not good circumstances. 
And I've been in contact uh, over the last uh, 10 days with this family. And yesterday at one o'clock, 1255, the Lord said, hey, in this quiet voice, you need to text this person. You need to send them this word. And, and the word was from a devotion I had earlier that day. And you know, I said, okay, and I, and I texted it. I got back a text at 104 that said, thank you so much for the, the words and the prayers, it means a lot. And this text arrives at an amazing right time. Right now, my sister is in Missouri meeting with forensic people right now, and I was wondering how I could pray for her right now. See, that was a Keros moment. You get those, I get those. When we need to pick up the phone and call somebody, when we need to, need to send an email to somebody, a word of encouragement. These two people here on the front row who had just met three months ago, two months ago, they've told me that God has given them a ministry of encouragement. And, and, and I can tell you that some of the words they've shared with me in the last couple of months have really encouraged me and made an impact on my life. Thank you for doing those Keros moments. A few years ago, we had another Keros moment in our life whenever our daughter, Ashley, became pregnant. She wasn't married. It was a difficult situation. It was a hard situation for our family. And little Harper Grace was, came into the world. And, and my daughter was struggling in a situation. And so Lynn and I talked about it. She says, we, we, need to, we need to invite Ashley and Harper to come home. And we said to each other, you know, if we make this decision 10 years from now, we're gonna, we're gonna say, we're so glad that we did. But if we don't do it 10 years from now, we're gonna say, I wish you would've. And so we made that decision and, and it was an incredible decision. It was a good decision. It was not an easy decision, but there was healing in that decision. And there was hope in that decision. And those two years that we got to pour into our granddaughter, we could never get back. And there's a bond there that will always be there because it was a Keros moment. You see, God has those kinds of moments for us. Don't let obstacles cause you to miss your opportunity. Don't let obstacles cause you to miss your opportunity. So I'm gonna give you these real quickly because I'm running out of Kronos time. Is to, to, is to leverage your biblical hindsight by number one, trusting God's character. Just trust that God is good. We sang about it. Whenever you're up against it, trust that God is good and that God's character will get you through it. Trust his character. Number two, will you believe God? Um, will you trust God's call? Will you trust God's call? That God has put you at that place for a reason, a vocation, a location, a purpose. Number three, will you trust God's timing? That God's time is always right. That time yesterday at one o'clock was the right time. It was the right time. You're here today because it's the right time. God put you here. God has me here. I trust God's timing. And will you trust God's future? Will you trust God's future? So don't worry about these things, said Jesus. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Hindsight. Your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. So three key questions. Has God opened a window of opportunity for you? And you keep shutting it. Has God opened a window he is, it's evident that he wants you to walk through a window, go through a window, climb through a window. 
and you keep putting it down. You can feel the breeze blowing through the window. You can feel the, the warmth of the air coming through the window. You can feel the, hear the birds. I, I need to go, but you keep shutting the window. I am so grateful that this church through the years has walked, climbed through the window of opportunity. I can look back over 25 years and see wind of opportunity, we went. Wind of opportunity, we went. Wind of opportunity, we went. And I believe with all my heart that God's window of opportunity is still wide open. Amen? He's not done yet. He has another step. He has another place. Number two, will you believe God for the impossible? Will you believe God for the impossible? The verse I sent yesterday was, with man, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And number three, will you follow God into the unknown? Will you follow him into the unknown? See, the promised land was unknown. They had sent us some spies over there, but they didn't really know. But God knew. See, you can't see tomorrow, but God can. You can't see next month, but God can. I can't see next, this coming May, when the Methodist church makes a decision, but God can. I can't see what's going to happen with Mount Horeb, but God can. I don't know what's next, but it's going to be good. Can I get an amen to that? People are praying and praying and praying for God to do something special, something powerful, something wonderful. Don't let the unknown steal the unbelievable. Don't let the unknown steal the unbelievable. Our God is unbelievable. And our God can do unbelievable things. So today, are you living a life of misery? because you keep listening to voices that are miserable and God wants to shake you out of that God wants to pull you out of that wilderness and bring you into his promises of hope of direction of purpose and will this word that I got yesterday this, this devotion that appeared yesterday was powerful it says oftentimes when we see problems, God sees possibilities. When we see pain, God sees potential. When we see difficulty, God sees destiny. That's the God we serve. The God who calls us into what's next in our lives. Father God, I thank you that you have brought us here today. You called us here. And, and you know the voices that we're listening to. You know the hindsight that we're focusing on. And some of us are focusing on, on some unholy hindsight. Some unhealthy hindsight. And maybe it wasn't our fault. Maybe there was some pain that was brought into our life and it's just affected how we look at things. Father, I pray that right now you would open our eyes to holy hindsight. That throughout history, you have been there for your people. You have not forgotten your people even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil because you're going to be with us. That Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you until the end of the age. Father, may we receive Jesus today into our hearts, into our lives, and that you will move us out of the miserable and into the mighty, into, out of the impossible, into the possibilities of your grace. Help us to remember. Help us to receive. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.